Do you want to go into stasis for the rest of the trip and forfeit 18 months' wages? Do you want to listen to Dwarf Cast by Ganymede and Titan? Shoes. Awoga, this is a Dwarf Cast. Hello and welcome to issue 4 of the Dwarf Casts magazine rack, brought to you by Ganymede and Titan. This is a series in which we reread, digest and dissect every single edition of the Red Dwarfs magazine, issue by issue. I'm Ian Symes, a man who's fully committed to the pursuit of trivia regarding this magazine, and I'm joined as ever by a couple of first-time readers who are a few wedges short of a pie. Jonathan Capps. Hi. And Danny Stevenson. It's cheese! <laughs> Today we're covering Volume 1, Issue 4, and as always we recommend having a copy of the mag in front of you as you listen, and if you don't have a physical copy, you can find a link in the show notes on your podcast app, or at www.ganymede.tv. But first, let's get into the mood by taking a trip back in time to this magazine's cover date of June 1992. The Queen's Horrible Anus continues with the publication of Diana, Her True Story by Andrew Morton which dares to suggest that her treatment by the royal family was less than ideal, which is of course totally at odds with their attitude before and since. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher enters the House of Lords, her most significant movement until April 2013 when she entered the fiery gates of hell. <laughs> <laughs> Honky Thatcher's deed. <laughs> Sometimes I want to be prepared for these, but sometimes I really don't. <laughs> the worst are the ones that you suddenly see coming at you, like about two <laughs> seconds before he says them. <laughs> and the Cones hotline is introduced for motorists to report instances of inappropriate or overzealous traffic cone use on Britain's roads, to the delight of early to mid-90s topical comedians throughout the land. What the fuck? That is actual... Thing. I didn't know that is the most <laughs> pointless thing. Count hotlines, um, it's it mentioned in bottom. They mentioned the count hotline. Do you remember when we could worry about the misuse <laughs> of traffic cones? <laughs> Stop telling me what to do! <laughs> the European Championships are won by Denmark, a feat even more remarkable considering they only qualified for the tournament at the expense of Yugoslavia, on the grounds that Yugoslavia no longer existed. Aussie Soap Neighbours plays out a controversial incest based storyline. Not that UK viewers would know about it, as the BBC edited out all references to half-siblings Glenn and Lucy's relationship. Susie Dent makes her first appearance as Countdown's lexicographer, and there are also debuts for Frank Skinner's underrated sitcom Blue Heaven, and Chris Morris's chief inspiration, 999, with Michael Burke. On the 28th of May, when this magazine is released, the top film in the UK box office is Wayne's World. Excellent. While the number one single in the music charts is Please Don't Go by KWS which was both the group's debut single and the plea that they made to their newfound fame and success, which was ultimately made in vain. <laughs> yeah, take that. Fuck you. You and Thatcher. <laughs> and that little mid-1992 time capsule brings us neatly on to this issue of this magazine's front cover. There's, there's tension in the air. <laughs> I don't like it. Why don't you like it? Well, I kind of appreciate it as a piece of art but as a magazine cover clearly of its time and if I was looking at this with 1992 eyes I might think differently but it looks cheap from a modern perspective maybe the clutter around the edges could have been toned down a bit like keep earth yeah. keep 
Starbug wireframe. But not the cucumber. But, but perhaps not the cucumber. <laughs> perhaps not the coronavirus down there next to Danny. Um, Cup of tea. But volleyball. I fucking love this style. Maybe it's just because I really fancy 90s Hattie, but like that, that... especially when she's blue <laughs> yeah i know but that style it's cool i like it because it's unique you know it's not just another like as much as i mm. like colin howard it's not just another colin howard tableau i guess it's true but i find it really funny that that like this is the issue the issue before that was the one with the hat interview in it this would have been a better cover for that it would <laughs> yeah yeah but this is this is the world of magazines danny this is June '92, but it was released in May. I mean, they just don't play by the rules. Yeah, red and green—it just makes my head hurt whenever I see like the the, the text at the bottom. Just like it does that. Way. I don't know if anyone else gets this, but like, when you oh, look yeah. at certain text a certain way and certain contrasting colours like that, they kind of like wobble on the page yeah. when you move them, and it's like, yeah, that does that to me. What I do like about it is that it has information on the cover about what to expect inside which is more than the previous magazines <laughs> it, had. are you saying it like, functions it as a magazine cover <laughs> yeah better than the previous ones which were better pieces of art but yeah having an actual look we've got a danny john jules interview thing is a smart move yeah yeah and this is the first interview that's or separate from their set visit as well so it's a little yeah. bit more up to date a bit more current but we'll get to that i guess mm. we will but uh but uh, no in general i'll i i I, I tend to love super stylized stuff because it avoids Uncanny Valley, which Colin Howard doesn't always avoid. And it just, I don't know, it just, right, it just ages better, I think. If you, even though it's pop art and it's incredibly of a time, um, it's, even so, it just, I don't know, I just like it. It's very... Yeah, when something's retro, it doesn't go out of style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the implementation would have been. Yeah, I think less clutter, um, better text choices, but then I guess this is the 90s. This is a million miles better than the, what the fan club magazine is able to do with their budget. So Yeah, you know, it's getting there. It is, it is. Bless it. And it's got a good Red Dwarf logo. You can't really complain. I mean, mm. it's not the best Red Dwarf logo, but it's a good Red Dwarf logo. And I really like the wireframe Starbuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A wireframe dwarf, and then Earth, apparently in the middle of exploding in the uh, in the sewage area, and being ejected out into space. By the looks of things, you see that exploding in the sewage area. Yeah, you know the uh, the back what happened in um, to garbage world. Excuse me, I just need to uh, explode in the sewage area. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> it's not much of a euphemism, is it? <laughs> I just need to have just a tap, massive shit. Just tap your nose. Yeah. Is, that, is that what you think that is? It's it's a basketball. No, it isn't. It's a it's a basketball. On the left. Yeah. It's a it's a basketball. Yeah. It's got blue on it. No, no, no. The earth is there, but in front of it is a basketball. Oh, it looks like an explosion. I can see why you think that, but I I think it's a basketball. There's loads of sports balls <laughs> around. There's a couple of pool balls. Why? And it looks like a volleyball and. Yeah, it is. It's okay. It's very confused, basically. We all are. <laughs> oh well, that's a shame. I was kind of, you know, that's a nice. That would be a nice reference. Sorry, I've ruined it now. Yeah, no. Where's the wireframe red dwarf you're seeing? No, that's what I would have wanted. Oh, like in my in my in my perfect version of this, like get rid of the fucking basketballs, right? The fuck there, man, and like have the wireframe just start. in the way. Just just strip it down a bit, and yeah, I don't yeah. know. 
I really like it. This is my favourite cover so far. Go it's, it fuck is, it's a very striking cover. It definitely gets your attention, which is, I imagine, the point. Yes. And there's more of this style. Over leaf. Oh, yes. Over beef. Over leaf, we have uh, the now standard tiny, tiny editorial. Yeah. Lazy. <laughs> Lazy. Meh. Kind of I can't decide whether I want more of the writer's personality in this magazine or much, much less. <laughs> this is definitely a hot topic for this issue. Yeah. There's a very slightly aggressive tone. Oh, isn't there just? <laughs> <laughs> isn't there just? It's, get, it's all getting a little bit. It's all getting a little bit. Yeah, shouty. You're getting bollocked for things before you've even done them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking don't to put it. Leave it. Leave it. <laughs> don't you dare read this while you're still in the shop. Get it paid for now. What if I buy it for an extortionate price on eBay many years? Ago? <laughs> Why don't I just download it? You wouldn't download the magazine, download would PDF. you? <laughs> well, yes, I would. On credits watch. Again, we get details of uh, who did the feature artwork, which is good, which you didn't have for the first few magazines. I mentioned that there was a comedy thanks to credit in every one, but I'm not sure there is in this one. I can't tell. Yeah. But Capsi would have noticed that the last name on the thanks to in this would have rung a bell because it's Phil King, and there was a footballer called Phil King in the 90s who scored a famous penalty for Aston Villa a few years later but I looked him up and at this time he was playing for Sheffield Wednesday well, and it was before the premiership yeah there wasn't much money in the game you know just a little bit of you know extra publishing work <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he might have done um so it might be a reference he's one of those footballers that's that's like a, a an insurance broker or something these days isn't he Phil King most almost certainly. yeah yeah <laughs> It could be the footballer, or the bass player from Lush was called Phil King, and he joined the band in 1992. It could be a reference to him. Or there was a cricketer who played for Worcestershire and Lancashire in the 30s and 40s, although he had been dead for over 20 years at this point. Right, less likely. Less likely. Yeah. Or it could just be someone called Phil King that worked on the magazine or helped with a feature or something like that, and it's not a joke. Because he's dead doesn't mean he can't be thanked. That's true. Yeah. I thank God all the time. I believe in God. <laughs> there is an advertising details um, thing, and I don't recall seeing this part in the previous credits. Is that maybe why they don't have any adverts? <laughs> Earlier, it appeared. It appeared in issue three, I think, having not been in issue one and two. Yeah. Right. Okay. It makes sense. Because yeah. we mentioned it last time. I think issue three was the point when they actually started to get actual submissions for these. Yeah. <laughs> so they could actually sort of solicit things rather than just be like, well, one and two was going to have to just take the, the hit and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Issue two was definitely like a sacrificial lamb, wasn't it? Yeah. <sighs> Shall we begin with Holly Calling? Yeah. Let's begin right. with Holly Calling. I want this Crichton artwork... I want it a nice, big, clean version. I want it on my fucking wall. I think really? that's so cool. <laughs> Man, that's really cool. What, the square-headed one? Yeah. I hate it. with What is wrong with you people? <laughs> I really don't like it. He looks like a it's... fucking, looks like a Warhammer figure. It's it's moody. It's like... Warhammer. Warhammer. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's not very much. I don't know. He looks like he's in stock, like it's a series 4000 mech. Like an unnamed one, like maybe not Crichton in storage or something. I just think it's, I think it's cool. I think it's quite moody and I, I like it. It's like, it's a bit like how we set up, you know, our preferred t shirts are like, you know, wouldn't have like 
Crichton on them saying Smeg Hammer, but yeah. you know, like a, a little logo, a JMC logo or something, something a bit more. But you know, that that's almost like I don't know. It just it, it looks a bit too. It just looks too much like Judge Dread, like kind of style. And well, maybe, you know, I mean, maybe well. this guy did a lot of artwork for the Dread magazine. Maybe so. Yeah, yeah. just the, the It's quite possible. Yeah. Publisher. Uh, well, I love that. I, I like that style. I like that 2000 AD. It's Robert Llewellyn's eyes and mouth on a drawing, I think, isn't it? I think, it? yeah. Yeah. It's been like extended almost artificially. Deep fried, basically. This is yeah. this is deep fried memes before <laughs> deep fried memes, <laughs> isn't it? Um, and the the neck is, or the head is too small for the neck. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. What about the words within? Um, well, I mean, someone's written something in columns that is not meant to be read out as columns. That confused me, yeah. Yep. Trying to figure out the order in which you're supposed to read them. Well, no, it's not. Oh, interesting. I read it like a comic, which would always be... What, like, just, um, like panel, 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 panel? Rose, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, that, that's the thing, I'm not used to that, but that's probably that's probably a fault of my time then, because, yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be that way. Because it's Holly calling, dot, 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 and then dot, 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 that's because I really am, and I, it feels like it's running on, rather than... Yeah. It, it scans weird. No, I agree with Danny. I thought, because it's, a, it's not a comic, uh, and it's not a plain text piece, it's sort of halfway in between, and I... I read it initially as if it was a text piece, in which case it would be two columns that you read. Mm-hmm. So I read down, and it was only when it back-referenced Crichton before mentioning Crichton that I realised that I was reading it wrong and started again. I have that problem all the time with the interviews. I, I, it happened with the Danny interview in this one, but that's because I'm reading one page at a time on my phone. I'm not mm. reading it as a as a double-fold you know, magazine. Yeah, yeah um, that's true. I think I yeah. did say it. I think I might have run across the same problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a problem with the medium. However, I will say Kevin Keegan watch. This is Kevin Keegan <laughs> reference number one. Again, this is what, there's something about, there's almost, and I, I hate to hate to say this, but I genuinely think there might be a little bit too much Kevin Keegan in this issue. Danny, <gasps> we could fall out. I know, but I just, I, I, I get it. It just feels like it's very one shot. It's, it's taken. It, what it's done is it's taken. Like someone on the writing staff was so fucking amused by the Kevin Keegan joke in the yeah. books. I must have been a massive Kevin Keegan fan. Yeah. At the time, which a lot of people were, you know, he was a, you know, yeah, he hadn't, he hadn't quite, <laughs> I don't know, become a laughing stock. <laughs> and just run it, and just run with it, and run with it, and run with it, and I'm really enjoying the relentlessness of it, if I'm honest. Well, it's ridiculous for a Red Dwarf publication to just select a random celebrity that's got nothing to do with Red Dwarf and constantly use the same one over and over again in all their little <laughs> tedious jokes. As we have just... To, to the point in. that members of the community that have been with us for years and years and years still don't really get why he's referenced all the time. Yeah, I, th- I think we shouldn't throw any stones. <laughs> no, and I, I love it. I, I love it because it's getting really obscure. It's, it's, it's exactly my sort of. Thing. I, I like, yeah, I like the reference to him missing that chance against Spain in, in the nineteen eighty two World Cup <laughs> yes. because that is, that is a hell of a miss. It, it, it has lived on. Okay, actually, maybe not the Crichton one. I would actually the, the, the Holly one in the top left. I would like a high res version of that, which obviously won't exist. But like you know, I'd, you know, <laughs> displate. I'd want that on a displate and all. Like I don't tend to have 
art on the wall. But I can't I think the idea really of like cool. having like a corrupted look, looks like a corrupted TV screen. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think I, I think it's cool and like and Holly with Holly in as her eye as well. Is, it's good. It's very know. weird. That. Yeah, it is. It's Someone's just getting but it, very giddy with their software, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're having fun, and it's something if unique, you look closely you know? enough. Then there's an infinite number of hollies pasted into that. <laughs> well, my resolution can't do that justice. Oh, I'm looking at right now. Just move your head closer to the object. This does suffer from the the continued problem of like the characterization of Hattie's Holly in the magazine is is totally different to the TV version. Yeah. Like she mm. she she ha- she continues to have this kind of false modesty, not false modesty. That's the wrong word. Um, just you know, like oh, I'm the most beautiful computer, most intelligent, yeah. like self-aggrandizing that um, Holly um, Hattie's Holly just doesn't have in the TV series. It's, I think the problem with that is the fact that Holly's not fleshed out. The most fleshed out she gets is in White Hole, True, and yeah. that's that's about as much as you get. And then it's you know there's not much they to don't kind have of play a, with. A huge amount to go on. Yeah. yeah. So you kind yeah. of got to make the majority, and because it's current, it has to be. It can't be the other Holly. It has to be this Holly because this is the Holly we have right now. So <clears throat> they are sort of writing her as Norman's Holly. Yeah. But even even this version of Holly. Who is supposed to be extremely thick knows that it's Ramses Niblick the third kaplunk kaplunk. Whoops, where's my thribble? So for fuck's she's sake. Up on... <laughs> <laughs> Although Ramses is, I was right. literally about to say that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's annoying me already. Ramses. Ramesi. Ocrates. A few cogs short of a working mechanism is a terrible simile. <laughs> yeah, it runs away at the end. <laughs> Few cogs short of a um, a, a working mechanism. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So oh, we're down on this, aren't we? Yeah. Well, yes, you are. Let's. So far, turn the page once more. Next up, we have the series five survey. Oh, this is a good. <laughs> it isn't actually a survey, though. Is it? It's asking you to do it. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's the, it's so the, the first line, survey. Yeah, it's like this is like when a certain red dwarf publication decided instead of writing a review for a DVD release of Back to Earth, they'd just do a dwarf cast on it and just hope that that would be <laughs> <clears throat> better than our review of the Promised Land. <laughs> Again, this is like making their apparent unprofessionalism a joke. It's just like we were going to write a review, but uh, you could have done both, right? You yeah. could have written a review. And yeah. and had this survey. Maybe instead of all the endless <laughs> fan fiction in the previous editions. Yeah, there's a lot of this, we couldn't be asked to do this. It just feel, it sort of reeks of, of laziness. A little bit. But, having said that, is this the first, is this the first fan polling exercise ever? Because I, I doubt better I life. believe so. Yeah. Oh, I believe so. Because okay. we have them linked Every time we do a poll, which is every five years, we have previous poll results in there of, of big mass polls, and this is the earliest one that we know of. Certainly would have been the biggest one at the time. Yeah, but better than life hadn't done theirs yet. They'd only just started. No, they were not too far off, but they'd only just started up really at this stage. So, exciting time. This is going to be good next issue, maybe? Probably a couple of issues. I can't remember. I, 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 I always kind of assumed it's going to be like two waits before we... Yeah, for anything that's resolved. Yeah, also one of the earliest, probably the earliest instance of Hollowship getting inexplicably shut upon. Hollowship, one of my yeah. favourite episodes of all time. Like, Series 5, 
each and every episode is near perfect so it's 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 not a fair test really but yeah. it's definitely not the no. worst episode of series five no that's demons and angels so it's demonstrably true and angels true. but other than that it's kind of it's kind of light isn't it back to reality first quarantine second yeah yeah so that's fair enough probably yeah inquisitor third uh probably terror that's the thing the holoship does get screwed by being in a series full of fucking old timers even though it is an excellent episode i just think an episode that contains both such a big one it was worth mentioning twice and let's get out of here before they bring him back it's unfair to say this is let down by a lack of jokes yeah 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 that's bollocks Nah, it's bollocks. But I can't disagree with anyone <laughs> yeah. placing it sixth out of sixth if they just prefer all the five other episodes more. That's kind of fair enough with series five. Yeah, but but giving it a negative reason. Yeah. It's, like... it's mad from our perspective when we've seen post-1993 Red Dwarf that anyone would watch series five and react negatively at all in any yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like if you knew what was to come. Also, out. you've got super smart Rimmer in Hollowship who's like a joke factory basically for like the short yeah. amount of time he's on there. Binks to Enlightenment. Binks to Enlightenment yeah. scene, which is yeah, yeah, an out and out just comedy scene. Pouring curry sauce all over the pizza. Yeah. People I've met. The the recruitment um scene yeah. is just just there for gags as well. I think their out. problem is that when they say in the lack of jokes, what they're saying is a lot of chatting between Rimmer and Nirvana. Yeah, I don't think... They, they probably didn't like the relationship stuff. Because it's a bit sort of... Yeah. It is very talky, but it's also very... It's also very good for Rimmer's character. For Rimmer is the most interesting character. Let's just, let's just fucking put that. It's, it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not starting any fires with that. <laughs> the Inquisitor, it's interesting what they say there about much-needed exploration of Lister's character. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess maybe at the time that's fair enough. it wasn't it was because needed, yeah yeah and again it's a it's a time thing like if you were watching the show week by week from 1988 then probably at that stage you were thinking we need to know more about Lister yeah I never had that because basically the first six series are all one big blob for me yeah. like I watched them all at around the same time and I watched series five before I'd seen anything else so <laughs> I never thought that Lister's character needed uh, beefing up, but because I'd already seen all the beef, I just hadn't realised it yet. (laughs) Demons and Angels. Listen to this description. Pleasant to watch and quite funny. Pleasant to watch. A fairly (laughs) average episode for Red Dwarf, though. An average episode. It's like one of the most batshit insane episodes. (laughs) So so there's that, and then the, the old fucking... This take should be banned, basically. Still better than 99% of the rest of the stuff on the box. It's like, that is not a valid thing to say about it. Like, that's basically a non a non comment, if you know what I mean. Not in the month when 999 with Michael Burke. Well, exactly. That was fucking brilliant. <laughs> but, like, yeah, Demons and Angels, pleasant and average is the two words <laughs> that I wouldn't put anywhere near that episode (laughs) an alternative title for high and low pleasant and average pleasant and average yeah Um, and um, the first well the next sign that uh, the writers were maybe in a bit of a bad mood this month Um, got that or do we have to explain it all over again for the Star Trek fans (laughs) again yeah fuck off 
And I was like, I was like, that's a bit harsh. And right at the bottom, there is actually a little little note. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. <laughs> but but even that's just like, please don't write in. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, well, please don't write in because A will ignore it and B will just publicly eviscerate you. Just like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And again, that thing of acknowledging that they've done something unprofessional and not caring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a very weird tone to this. The, yeah, these the, the tone that runs things. throughout. It's, yeah. 90s well, edgy boys. The most, egre- the most egregious example is coming up in a few features time, so we'll <laughs> yes. <save Yeah>. <laughs> We all know what we mean. Also, uh, we are <laughs> definitely aware of the irony of us saying, yeah. God, look at these edgy twats <laughs> being, being, being um, unnecessarily combative. There's a difference between fans doing it and it being an official. Fan. Unofficial, yeah. Do you know what? Fair point. Yeah, that, there is a difference. We are beholden only to the fans who listen to us, but they are beholden to everyone. Yeah, exactly. And if we, you know, if we make tits of ourselves in like old Dwarfcast episodes, then we get to pay for it by people making memes about it twenty yeah. years later. <laughs> so that's it. Fair play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not beyond fucking reproach. We're not beyond fucking <laughs> criticism. But what we do do is spell body swap correctly. All one word, ah. and like Howarth and Lions and, and Skeletor, Andrew Ellard, and the series <laughs> three DVD. <laughs> totally not Andrew Ellard's fault, but <laughs> still. <laughs> I've just realised there's a there's a question here for right or left-handed, right at the bottom. It's very uh, ambiphobic. Uh, yeah, and uh, what well, I mean when they publish the results, but it turns out majority of you are right-handed okay right. <laughs> but, yeah. but in line with the general population yeah, yeah. thanks for participating in our study <laughs> I just assumed it was a normal form I didn't think they'd be putting jokes in that as well yeah it's not much room odd. for your comments either but they do say you can just send an extra sheet just send an email or like oh just I love I just love the little details like don't worry you don't have to rip it out just just photocopy it or something it's like, oh, I love it. Like, do you think? Do you think we had like? Do you think your average reader had like access to a photocopier in nineteen ninety two? I don't <laughs> think they did. You know, library, like, library. a library maybe, or like a library would have had a fucking sheet or something like that. Yeah, you? yeah. Mm. It's weird, it's weird, weird, weird. But mm. um, yeah, um, they haven't. Well, I mean, considering that. You'd have email at this point, or you'd have a, a kind of a, a type of email. It's interesting that they don't give that as an option yet. Although I imagine that's very, very, in. very, very few people have email. More people had access to a photocopy than had access to email. Yeah, oh yeah, true. But but this is this is like the heyday of the of the news group though. Ninety two. There was a lot of people on the news group. A lot of people had had some sort of connectivity at university or. Mm. You know, well, maybe, maybe Fleetway didn't. Yeah, maybe Fleetway <laughs> maybe that's didn't. The yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> turn over leave. Surprise comic. Did either of you know that there was going to be an a, a additional, as well as Future Echoes, an additional I did. original comic? I didn't. No. It caught me by surprise. That's good, this. This, for me, before we get on to reviewing the the comic itself as a story and as a piece of comedy i just feel like this is the moment where something clicks with the magazine yeah because all of a sudden it's the current incarnation of red dwarf made flesh in front of you 
it suddenly feels like something that's more tied into the time that it was made than the sort of starting off with which you know was completely the right thing to do considering no one had seen series one for five years and and it was what people wanted to start off with the end yeah just made it seem like it was looking back but now all of a sudden they're creating original comic content with the current setup it all of a sudden it's we're in series five era and it suddenly feels like we're in series five era and it's good as well. It is. Yeah, it's a nice little, nice little short story. Yeah, it's just, it's nice. Yeah, it's good fun. It's like they've been, they've been practicing their fanfic and they've kind of honed it a little bit. Well, that's the thing. It is so much better than the fanfic, even if the jokes are largely, you know, similar. It's just presenting it as a comic means that even if you don't like the words, it's it's pretty to look at, yeah. which is the exactly like the first few issues where we had those just huge mammoth blocks of text uh that were very sparsely illustrated nothing to break them up that felt like a bit of a slog to get through this is what about 11 pages <laughs> like eight pages that you just breeze through yeah yeah, yeah. It, feel, it feels like it's almost the kind of thing that would work like they, these kind of little stories would work really well as like little radio skits Mm. You know what I mean? It's like short okay. trips in the Big Finish lexicon. <laughs> yeah, I like the the renderings. The characters are really well rendered. Uh, I, I really like the kind of set dressing. Like Crichton's really well rendered. Rimmer's really good. It's the main. This is this is still the same comic artist, isn't it? Main comic artist. No, is no, it's a guy called John Royal. I don't know if I've seen that name before. Ah, no, this is John Royal's first art for this magazine. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. It's good. Written by Howard and Lyons, <laughs> so they've got original material, but it's still being written by the same people that are having to write the rest of the uh, themselves. Yeah, yeah. This is a nice, a nice setup as well. You can easily imagine them having like a game of Trivial Pursuit that's been lasting weeks. Uh, I, yeah. I, I like that idea of like the, the cliche of a game of Monopoly lasting weeks, but <laughs> this time it's Trivial. <laughs> trivial Pursuit can actually fucking drag on as it well. Can. Yeah. It really, it can because yeah, it relies on. You get in the wedge questions, right? Yeah. To in order to progress. <laughs> yeah, it's a bottleneck. Although it does repeat a joke, which is interesting. That Rumor hasn't learned, and he goes to kick the scutter. Oh yeah, it yeah. <laughs> he goes through it. At least this is much clearer than whatever the fuck was going on in the last one. <laughs> it's got the massive benefit over the adaptations in that it's. It's designed for the me. It's written for the medium in which it's presented, rather than being having to be sort of jammed into a medium that's not quite right for the material. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're not ad- having to adapt, so there's a lot more freedom to have like a consistent kind of tone, I guess, mm. um, in the artwork. And I think Rimmer looks like Chris here. I think, yeah. I think this might be. Yeah, yeah. I was never a hundred percent sure. Um, if, about your theory about not having yeah. the rights, I just think that maybe that particular artist who did the comics for the Chris. first three issues <laughs> hadn't got as good a handle on Rimmer as this artist has. Again, it's a stylistic choice, isn't it? It's more of a case of like that could be exactly what the artist wanted to go for, but just happens to not mm. look like Arnold. It's just like the rendition of Rimmer he wanted to portray. We just don't know. Yeah, we just we just don't know. We just don't know. I really like in this that they have the fish screensaver on um, the monitors. Yeah. (laughs) Like they have in Series 4. It does feel more Series 4 than 5 now that I think about it. Yeah. But that's just because of the type of story. Like, 
you had scenes of just them sat around on Red Dwarf chatting in Series 4, <laughs> few and far between compared to the early days, yeah. but not at all in Series 5. No, exactly, yeah, Five's already almost like a, a Starbug and off, yeah. off ship yeah, series. And it's nice, it's the sort of thing we always crave for, isn't it? It's just like just an average day on Red Dwarf. It is, yeah. Uh, it's a more successful Dear Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What isn't? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, interesting though that this is the very first original comic in this magazine and it is also the very first of what will be many, without giving anything away, of moments where themes that are echoed in later real episodes of Red Dwarf. So you've got all the machines on Red Dwarf going on strike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I say all the machines. I, just the Scottish. Well, I remember this as being a conversation I can't remember exactly when, but I think you listed off a, a lot of the a lot of the things. Yeah. That, uh, try not try not to remember I, that I don't yeah, luckily <laughs> I, I have a shite memory. So I don't quite understand this trap. Like, it's uh, just a torch. I don't understand. Rimmer thinks it's a laser. It's not a laser. Oh, okay, right. That's it. It's just a big <laughs> torch. <laughs> yeah. That l- bottom l- right mirror. That bottom right mirror is, is fucking me up with the reflection. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't think what I did, which is I was following the path. I was like, oh, okay, so that goes over there. That goes over yeah, there. Yeah, and then bottom there. right. And then it, it goes back over, twice. and then it just splits off into two places. Yeah, just like yeah. quantum light. <laughs> It's like an Escher design. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. The mirrors that are used for the trap, I, get, I assume that that's the reason why, incongruously, Cat is wearing a collar containing shitloads of mirrors for, like, one frame. For no reason. <laughs> and then yeah. you never see it again. <laughs> it is a cool hey, idea. this is my kind of collar. It's a really, it's, it is a funny idea. <laughs> what are the ones on the back of his head for? He can't look at them. Well, he can look at another mirror at the back of the head. <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> I'm surprised they never did anything like that, where the cat had like a full a ridiculous mirror like thing where he could just always mirrors. look at himself, like that would always be a thing. Like. A bit, a bit like the one man band sort of <laughs> you know, Dick Van Dyke get up and um, yeah, cat's just a one man wardrobe. He'd just be trapped in a circle because yeah. he can't tear himself away from. Him. Again, bring back a topic from a previous door case. There's another cat based perpetual motion machine <laughs> surround the cat with mirrors. So the overall storyline yeah like you say it's an average day on board ship it's a gentle meandering storyline there will be far more ambitious and action-packed comic strips to come but this one like the storyline such as it is is that they're having this game of trivial pursuit and there's a there's a twist at the end that the whole thing of the scutters going on strike and everything was designed by holly as a distraction so that she could replace the cards and cheat at trivial pursuit by filling it with questions that she's written herself However, how oh. <laughs> how does she? <laughs> how does she do that? Because she can't physically do it herself, so she must have had to get the scutters to replace the cards. There's a frame where the scutters picking up the upended board off the floor. Yeah, right at the end, yeah. <laughs> right after they've come back from being on strike, yeah. after Lister has persuaded them to come back to work they start to tidy up and that's the point at which they switch the cards yeah. however the very start of it was the table gets knocked over and Rimmer calls the scutters to pick up the cards that could have been the point at which they yeah. replace the cards okay, yeah. they could have done the whole thing immediately yeah, yeah. yeah they could have yeah 
also she she was kind of relying on on it being upended and, and she has no control over that yeah yeah yeah, she planted that fish that just appears out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cat's juggling, isn't he? Oh, he's he's juggling fish in the yeah, opening scene. Yeah, he's juggling fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't spot that first time either. No, neither did I. I've only so. spotted it when we looked it out. <laughs> <laughs> Flicking through it. The cat is basically... Um, he's, he's Chekhov's, um, Chekhov's cat in this one <laughs> um, with his mirrors and his fish. The frame of Holly looking smug with the speech bubble, which famous footballer was purchased by Liverpool in 1971 for a sum of 33,000, is just uh, it's just the pinnacle of Kevin Keegan nonsense, isn't it? That's the same face that Howarth and or Lyons pulled every time they dropped to Kevin Keegan. <laughs> it tells me as well that there may be Liverpool fans. Yeah. Or whoever it is that's got the... Uh, Kevin Keegan hard on this Liverpool fan, but I I think that's a good punchline. I I think as a running yeah. joke, a meta joke, I think it's working well. It's not going to work forever, but it's working well currently. Good. Yeah, that's the comic. That's the comic. Yeah, I think we've... Lister gets them back working by saying that they will murder Rimmer every two weeks. So that's perfectly normal. <laughs> <laughs> Right, next up, continuing the red pages for some reason. And the physical copy, when you close the magazine, half of it is red on the side. That whole comic strip has big red borders, and then there's an advert, which is red. There's an advert, hooray, for Wrestling Ringside magazine. And I don't know, but I'm assuming that Wrestling Ringside magazine was a Fleetway publication, because every single advert so far has been for other Fleetwood publications. Yeah... I know fuck all about wrestling. You two, I assume, know fuck all about wrestling. You, I used to know a bit when I was a kid. Yeah, t- like for a small amount of time. Yeah. Well, luckily, we have a commenter by the name of Captain Bollocks. Yeah, we'll cut in with Captain uh, Bollocks. Who has left us some facts about this advert. Fact number one. <laughs> all the pictures are from WCW, because the WWF had their own in-house magazine, and they considered everyone else a rival and wouldn't give their photographers any access. As a consequence, the WWF pictures in non-WWF magazines in those days had grainy, wonky, blurry, lopsided pictures taken by some bloke in the 12th row who'd smuggled in an Instamatic. <laughs> and glossy, professionally posed or upside ringside pictures from everyone else who was grateful for the coverage. Oh. <laughs> the wrestler Sting, who is bottom left, uh, is now age 62 and is still wrestling. He registered the name Sting as a trademark for entertainment purposes in the US and by law charges Sting the police base thumper to an annual fee to use the name that's amazing Captain Bollocks has posed a quiz uh, how much do you think Sting charges Sting to be Sting interesting fact do we know why Sting the, the, the Sting we know about is called Sting is it because he, he stood on a Sting in a factory <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's even worse than that uh, when he was a teacher, he used to wear a shirt that had black and yellow stripes on it. <laughs> right. That's it. So basically the same reason why this guy's called Sting. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a scorpion on his trousers. Um, go on then, how much do you reckon Sting charges Sting to be Sting? Uh, oh God, is it going to be like a nominal fee or something? Is it gonna be per like per one year. Do- one dollar or something. 
It is one dollar. Is it? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It's just legally just. A, just Man, that guy should have taken Sting to the cleaners. Yeah. Fuck. I was kind of <laughs> hoping that he did, like like half a million or something. Quiz number two. One of these wrestlers pictured appears in Red Dwarf. Oh. Who and in which episode? Oh my god. Hello. Is one of the. Right, I'm going to have a guess here. Is one of them um, Bear Strangler McGee? Because <laughs> no. he would have been the one guy I would have thought who would be the wrestler. Yeah. Or is it someone who was in Red yeah. Dwarf 8? Uh, no. So, Alright, so had he appeared in Red Dwarf by this point? Yes. Oh, fuck. Oh. Uh... Well, when we say appeared in. Oh, go on. <laughs> You're not going to guess it. Uh, but it's Sting, the aforementioned scorpion trousered man. Uh, there's a distressed poster of Sting in one of the bunks of the low ship in Demons and Angels. Oh my fucking days! That's good. <laughs> that I is like incredible it. work. That is excellent trivia. Thank you, Captain Bollocks. <laughs> that is amazing. And then I noticed there, and the bottom right picture seems to be a sort of a crossover between the wrestling and robot wars. <laughs> yeah, there's a killer lot coming in. It was WCW in the in the early nineties that had to do everything they could. <laughs> <laughs> That I would actually like to see. <laughs> Just <laughs> fucking rip an arm off. <laughs> yeah, that I'd like to see. Can we choose who gets the? Fight? I'd like to see <laughs> Sir Killerlot fighting Hulk Hogan. <laughs> now. <laughs> I thought I recognised all these people, but it must be WCW because I, I remember yeah, is, WCW yeah. was always the shitter, sort of like mm. the, the slightly off. Um, wrestlers off. often retired to WCW or like when, when they were yeah, when they were yeah. about to get replaced with. Fresh One blood. last paycheck, yeah. 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 Such as Hulk Hogan, he went over to WCW yeah. for a while. Oh yeah, I know that because of the game WCW Nitro on the PS One, <laughs> which is quite a good wrestling game. Right. Anyway, enough about the advert. <laughs> I've just realised that this is Three Cat Moon. <laughs> oh yeah, it moon. fucking is. <laughs> It's three moons. <laughs> that would make a good T-shirt, wouldn't it? If you're going to do a piss take thing, you do that. You do a three cat moon thing, and you do that. Yeah. Also, that starbug is tiny. That is, yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, that cat is well. No, I'd say that that's normal sized starbug. It's a massive planet because look at the size of the cat standing next to the starbug. It's clearly massive, yeah. and the one behind that is even bigger. So, I mean, yeah, that's pretty big. I mean, it's behind the moon, for Christ's sake. I, d- so, yeah, I do like the idea of like a, a gal- massive galactic-sized black cat just floating through space, <laughs> like this kind yes. of vengeful god figure. <laughs> it's, it's like classic movie poster, isn't it? Just, <laughs> on that yeah. cat's face yeah. as well. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, the, the one, the on face in the background... Is often the bad guy, right? Like that's the that's the trope yeah, of the that's the, of that's the poster, the antagonist. Yeah, yeah. Good. Give her a dreamies, I shall fucking have you. <laughs> <laughs> that artwork will be presumably by Rob Sharp, uh, okay. because we know that Carl F- it, the credited feature artwork by Carl Flint and Rob Sharp, and um, Carl, we know that Carl Flint is the Holly Calling guy. Mm. Poor bastard realised. <laughs> While drawing this is like, oh fuck, I've got the cat against space, and his hair's black. What do I do? Oh, I'll just fill it, fill it as white. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a outer glow has been applied yeah. to the top of his head. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's got like 
he's you know pre- he's going prematurely grey. Like he, lo- he maybe looks a bit like a, a vampire. Cruella de under the under the interview Moving itself. On. <laughs> the interview itself. I refuse to believe that at any point in Danny John Jules's life he has given answers this succinct to a set of questions. Yes. I pity the poor bastard who had to transcribe this and sub it down. <laughs> yeah, just so you think that's what's happened. I was thinking, is this a time when Daddy John Jules was cogent? <laughs> that was Tully Savalas, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, maybe I'm being too harsh on Daddy John Jules because his heart's always in the right place on Twitter. Oh, but yeah. I very, Ooh. I very rarely follow what the fuck is happening <laughs> yeah. with his, with his thought process or what, what he's trying to say at any one time. Because yeah, it's sort of like sort of two stages removed. It's like you know, like it's like by the time it gets to Twitter, it's already gone through the Danny John Jules brain processing. <laughs> I mean, I, I suffer from that. I, I, you know, I think maybe we all it. do. Uh, you know, we make jokes that we think, ah, oh, this is good. And really, it's just, it only exists in your brain. But this is this is literally Danny's every thought. Is that? I don't know. Stop playing with your cube. I'm not. I'm getting a sweet. No. <laughs> a cough sweet. Um, quite a good interview, though, I think. Yeah. It's good. Um, it's one of those where, like, we, we've... We've kind of criticised the past ones, but with big caveats that we understand that they're all from the past and that this information wasn't out there. And so in previous ones, we've read stories and details that we already knew. So we didn't learn much from it, but we could appreciate that at the time it must have been interesting. This one, it's not as sort of biographical as the previous ones, and it's not... Yeah, basically, I think it's with Danny, because he talks a lot and because because every interview with Danny is different basically he doesn't have stock answers yeah, true. that he trotted out when interviewed by Red Dwarf magazine in 92 and then trots out on the DVDs and trots out at conventions yeah. which is you know a perfectly valid tactic for your Roberts and your Chris's who do do that whereas every everything from Danny is pretty much new because his brain works at that pace where <laughs> While the topics may repeat themselves, what he says is never yeah. consistent yeah. From, yeah. from one interview to the next. Yeah. And yeah, there's some very Danny John Jules nuggets in here, um, such as when he claimed that the whole Robin Hood revival yes. as <laughs> of the early 90s was thanks to Maid Marian. Uh, I mean, it's not quite as egregious as James O'Brien's um, Crichton. Uh, claim because at least Danny's got the timeline on his side. Maid Marion did start before Robin. Yeah, Hood a couple of years, a couple of years as well. So like just about. But I mean, the aesthetic of Robin Hood is pretty set in stone. Like the Errol Flynn stuff. I mean, but both of them are just are just adaptations of of the old 50s, 60s Folklore. stuff, right? Yeah. yeah, or like any of the old drawings or anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the aesthetic of Maine Marion is Robin Hood wearing green in some woods. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that is it's... also the aesthetic of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, yeah. But <laughs> it's also just the aesthetic of But more of expensive. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I think Robin Hood being in vogue was probably more to do with the 
massive high budget and hugely successful Hollywood film, which, lest we forget, spawned a single that was on top of the UK charts for virtually the entirety of 1991. Yeah. I think that had more to do it than a CBBC show. Yeah, you... As brilliant as the CBBC is. And their nothing theme tunes against, also against brilliant. Me, really. so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And their theme tune's much better. Yeah. <laughs> much better than Brian Adams. You know it's true. No, no, the Canadian government has apologised for Brian Adams. <laughs> 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 do you know what? I actually quite like that. I do. I I don't mind it until the BBC Four Top of the Pops repeats hit. Yeah, and then you just went. You put yourself through the exact it. same pain <laughs> that everyone went through at the time. Except it was worse because it was on. It was on a couple of editions before as well as like before it got to number one. They played it as a chart breaker, it was and then on they the way up. Yeah. they played it because it was you know rising up the charts, and then it was number one for fourteen. Weeks. That's a weird thing, isn't it? Something rising up the charts. I mean, it might be something that happens now, for all I know. But like, my no one knows what. Yeah, my my main memory of like the charts when I was paying attention in the late nineties is something comes in at number one. And then starts fucking off. There was a tipping point where that started yeah. happening, but yeah, prior to prior to the nineties, basically, it was yeah, build up. more likely that something would start off slow and then move on. Oh, like God, like yo-yo a little bit, like yeah. yeah. That's irrelevant. It certainly is. Um, <laughs> on the subject of Maid Marian, they spelt Maid Marian wrong consistently throughout. Yes, How do you even do that, <laughs> <laughs> Marion? Makes me think of Mario. <laughs> it's a me, I made a Mario. <laughs> Why don't you carry on, Luigi? <laughs> Luigi is a bit of a, a, you know, like the Robin Hood in Maid Marian. Sort of like the side man, yeah. the, the slightly <laughs> pathetic, gangly. I mean, if you ask me, the whole Super Mario phenomenon was only as a result of Maid Marian. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another thing, when he's talking about Carmen Jones, there's a bit where he talks about his co-star in <laughs> Carmen Jones. I'll just find it. Hang on, before we go anywhere, you, you just mentioned Carmen Jones. Yes. Uh, did you guys know what Carmen Jones was before reading this? I still don't know what Carmen Jones is. I knew it was a musical. It's a musical based on the music of Bezo, which is basically Carmen. Like, but it's like a oh, sort of a reimagining, yeah. a sort of modern, oh, right. a modern day remake, which was turned into a musical, was really successful. But do you guys recognise the joke in Epidem that Carmen moans? No, <laughs> I remember the joke, but yeah. So Lister says, "Oh, uh, we used to nickname her Carmen moans because of her." Oh, thing. I think that's what it's <laughs> referencing. Yesterday when I was reading this, I was like. Oh, that's what he's talking yeah. about. It's only taken 25 years for that to sink in. Well, it's a shit joke in Epidem, to be It's fair. a terrible it joke. Because I think, no, really because unless, you, unless you know about Carmen Jones, which undoubtedly Danny and everyone else in that situation would have done. Yeah, Danny would have heard of it. That's a very in joke for them. Oh, but I don't know how popular Carmen Jones is outside uh, this. If you're a theatre guy, well, I imagine joke. it's very, you know. Referencing something that one of your actors has appeared in is quite. Like it's back to earth ahead of its time. I didn't understand it until I read that. I was like, "Oh, is that what they were talking about?" Yeah, I never got that that's joke. It, I just I was like, "I was like, you nicknamed a Carmen Mose. Like, that's a shit nickname." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you just because it's series seven, you just like you, you go what or oh, whatever. Yeah, and it just go it goes by, and you don't think about it for twenty five years. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Also, I couldn't help notice the word "cat" written a lot. This is actually a direct quote from me when I walk into a house with cats in it. <laughs> so I'll just show the guys my notes. 
<laughs> but going back to what Ian's about to discuss, I I, I love this detail so much. Oh, we'll see. We'll see which bit I've been. He says, "I I play Dink. He and his partner are sort of Laurel and Hardy acts, a comedy element in the show. I work with a really funny guy. He should be on the telly, you know, but does not mention Who is his name." <laughs> Again, I'll just show you my notes. There we go. I work with someone from the telly. He should be on telly. No fucking name check. Yeah, though. yeah. that is so, so. That is. There's the Danny we know. Yeah. Well, I looked it up. Um, I managed to find a cast list from 1992 when Daddy John Jules was in Carmen Jones. I couldn't find and it. And then I had to look up the plot of Carmen Jones to figure out who his yeah. character Dink is in a double act with. And the the person he's talking about is Clive Rowe, who is on the telly <laughs> now. Good. He's best known for he had a regular role in Tracy Beaker. So basically, anyone that's about ten years younger than us will know exactly who we're talking about, uh, because like everyone of that generation watched Tracy Beaker. But for us older nerds, he was in the Doctor Who episode Voyage of the Damned. The one on the Titanic with Kylie. Uh, he played Kylie Minogue. <laughs> he, played, he, he played one of the people who had won their ticket to the cruise. Uh, him and his wife, they were wearing like blue lame. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd recognise his face. You'd definitely recognise yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering whether he was being... Like, it could have been someone like Lenny Henry or someone... Like someone who is really famous is not. Oh, when he was being funny, and that was the joke. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was joking, like, "Ha ha, I'm with this guy. He's really funny. He should be on the telly." And it's like, it's a really famous dude anyway, so yeah. you need to check him. But it's not even that. <laughs> no, it's someone that wasn't known at the time. And he did get on the telly, and he got on. Doctor Again, he might have mentioned him, but the amount of editing, this might have taken it out. Yeah, it might, they might have cut it out. To be fair to Denny. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, interesting stuff about Danny not being at all bitter about uh, <laughs> about Robert going to America and him not being asked. Do you know what? And giving the longest <laughs> stream of text in the entire magazine. I think he, I, like, while, like, because you can't get over the fact that all of them would have been put out by it, because I yeah. would have been put out by it. Yeah. Like, if, 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 you know, Linwood Boomer came along and said, I want to start a, an American Ganymede and Titan and whisks you off in and be like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but I think he actually handles this quite well. I have well. never been whisked off by a Hollywood producer. <laughs> Not yet. I, I think he handles it quite well. I yeah. think, well, the thing is, when, when Danny, because Danny did say on the on the, on the Red Dwarf USA documentary that basically yeah. once he found out that Hinton Battle was his sort of his contemporary in that era he wasn't bothered by it yeah. because he was like at least that's who we think is the american equivalent of me yeah danny's like, got his take that as a compliment yeah. there's a lot of mutual yeah. respect between those two i don't think he was that put out by it because he was like well i don't think i'd be able to do as good a job as this guy or i don't think i'd be able to better this guy so i was like well fair enough i mean it must have been mm. pretty good he wasn't going to go to america but I don't, I don't think danny was too put out i think he might have just been there might have been a bit of animosity but it didn't last long obviously no, yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, I think if Red Dwarf USA had been a huge success and Robert had stayed over there and became really famous, then there would have been a lot more animosity yeah. <laughs> like, towards Robert than there was. But in the event, I think the the other three thought, well, we had a bit of a lucky escape there. Yeah. Really. And they speak very honestly and candidly about it on the Dwarf in USA documentary, and Craig and Danny 
in particular admit to their frustrations and admit to being pissed off and and, and explain themselves and acquit themselves very well on that subject. Yeah. Are they only that way because it didn't work? Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. 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 Maybe even by the time this interview was done, they knew that it was a flop and that it wasn't going to happen. And so maybe yeah. that's why he's. I'm bit, sure that Rob yeah. and Doug have been talking to them. They would have said, like, it. Yeah, no, been, yeah. You know, of yeah. course, there's been conversations going back and forth between what's been what's been going on stateside and. Especially if Universal were paying the phone bill. <laughs> and the final bit of prime Danniness is the massive chip that he has on his shoulder about other TV shows. Um, he's pretty harsh about like the closed off cliques that you'd get with like Blackadder yeah. and stuff here. Like, um, you know, the, these guys ain't waiting by the phone for their agent to say interview at ten o'clock for a new sitcom. It's probably been written around them or for them or one of their mates writes it and then bang, they're in it. It's all very close. It's really a little mafia there. <laughs> and then I love the interviewer undercutting that immediately because he mentions that there's this Blackadder clique. And then he says, well, you've worked with Tony Robinson, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's different. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Apart from Tony Robinson, yeah. <laughs> when he said, "How long did it take you to work out the very distinctive moves and speech patterns of the cat?" and then it, it mentions a guy called Clinton, Clinton Derrick's Carroll, and I did a, a, a diggy on this guy, and he's. I don't know if you ever saw Sliders. Yes. Because I recognised his face immediately, and I was like, I know who that guy is, but it wasn't him because he has a twin brother, <laughs> and his twin brother is in Sliders, and often Clinton Derrick's Carroll was playing him whenever they needed two people on uh, set ah, for like a duality right. thing, or like instead of a split screen. Yeah, because it was a time a time travel show, wasn't it? So Yeah, yeah. so there was a lot of sort of multiple dimension skipping thing. And and then it was like, <laughs> there's, there's two ways you can read the next question, where it just says, is, is there anything of your personality in the cat at all? <laughs> or, is there anything of your personality in the cat at all? <laughs> it's like is he all stolen yeah. is it you <coughs> also in typical Danny John Jules fashion this conversation like veers wildly like it keeps coming it keeps getting dragged back to Red Dwarf and like the the development of the cat but then they go off in tangents and come back to it later on towards the end of the interview they start talking about the development of the cat again and <laughs> the quote is he was kind of Richard Pryor-ish, Cliff Richard-ish, James Brown-ish. Cliff Richard? Yeah. I think what's happened there is that Danny has said Little Richard. Ah, uh, he and has. He, and the interviewer or the uh, transcriber has misheard yes. and put Cliff Richard. Yes, you're right, because he because says Little Richard all that, the time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, a... they're talking about the cat's voice specifically. Yeah, they're kind of, <laughs> wow, and that kind of stuff. That's Richard all, that's Pryor, the... yes. Yeah. James Brown, yes. Cliff Richard, not so much. Do you know what? Do you know what really struck me about this as well? He says, "If anyone can play the cat, it should be Richard Pryor." And I was like, "Well, I mean, it, it can't be." And then, and, and then Red Dwarf Magazine's like, "Well, maybe he will if this movie gets off the ground." I was like, "Holy fuck!" Then Richard Pryor, like, I, I, I almost like set himself on. Yeah, fire. I'm pretty sure Richard Pryor was dead at this point. I thought he was. Obviously, he's not. Um, but at this point, he was well gone, surely. Richard Pryor didn't die until 2005. What, really? Yeah. yeah. I thought he died in the 90s. He didn't do much work, really, because he had, yeah, he had, he had his, his problems. Yeah. Oh, right, okay, weird. 
Well, that must be the Richard Pryor effect. <laughs> I, I was sure he died in prison. <laughs> I'm just reading from his Wikipedia page. While on a freebasing bringe during the making of the film Stir Crazy, 1980, Pryor doused himself in rum and set himself on fire. <sighs> so he, by the 90s, he was very much... Uh, not a wild man. <laughs> he very much into his problems. Uh in the early to mid nineties, Pryor used a power operated mobility scooter due to multiple sclerosis. Yeah. So uh, I think it unlikely that Richard Pryor in nineteen ninety two would have no, has no, the yeah. energy and physical capability to play the cut. Okay, interesting. Do, do you know what? Yeah, that's I guess that's one of those assumptions that I've just made that around the fire incident was also that's when he yeah. died. I don't yeah. well, I think no, he just basically was... stopped performing, right? Yeah, so he just yeah, would yeah. disappear yeah. from public view, so you just wouldn't have known. Yeah. 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 So he was yeah, no longer in the public eye. On that depressing note, shall we move on to the best feature of the what magazine? What a brilliant... Oh, my God. Oh, good, it's this. In which we basically get told off and insulted by a magazine that we've invested in. My note here is, are you a Red Dwarf fan is deranged. <laughs> I think that is I think that is the word. It's deranged. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> It's one of those personality quizzes for anyone who's not reading along. But it's it's like the typical horrible 90s attitude of like these people who have an interest in anything. They're nerds, they're anoraks, they're saddos, they're probably perverts, <laughs> they're probably wankers. But we've all bought and are reading this magazine about a sci-fi comedy show. And you're fucking writing mm-hmm. it. And, and you too... Howth and or Lions. You are very much nerds. You are not you've a better massive Doctor Who books. You've you've you're about to write a Red Dwarf book and multiple editions thereof. We're all fucking nerds, and this is one of the benefits I think of internet culture, is that it's made it far more acceptable and like it's it's got rid of this. It's normalised it. Yeah, of like people. Self-hating people basically saying, "Oh, these fucking nerds! Oh, yeah, I hate nerds. We wouldn't want to be them." When yeah. you are a fucking nerd, clearly because you're writing a Red Dwarf magazine. It's where the Star Trek stuff comes from, isn't it? It's like having to go at Star Trek fans, or like yeah. this this yeah, rivalry between just... Red Dwarf and Star Trek fans, which was perceived yeah. but probably wasn't. It's almost no, like it was sort of orchestra, so. like it was trying to actually, you know, like trying to split. There was always this thing with with Red Dwarf fandom that. Red Dwarf was kind of cooler than other shows. Oh, do you know what I mean? Or certain fans thought they were. That's what yeah. I mean. That's what I mean. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's what this reeks of, is that this reeks of we're, we're cool. We're, yeah, we we're the, love Red Dwarf. We're cool. We're the cool we nerds. Yeah, yeah. But if you like Star Trek or Doctor Who or Lost in Space or anything like that, then you're a twat. Yeah. You're a nerd. Yeah. I think part of it is, yeah, Red Dwarf seemed like the the cooler choice because it was a comedy it was quite cultish it was more obscure and less successful than star trek and doctor who yeah as and star wars as like the big sci-fi things and but it feels like this attempt to have a star trek versus red dwarf thing which also plays out in better than life from this era and and probably a bit later actually that seems to me like red dwarf fans trying to like get some of the clout to use the current uh, vernacular from Star Trek and to sort of in football terms it's the rivalry between England and Germany where England fans have this perception that we're 
Germany's big rivals and like whenever we play each other it's because a lot of British mentality is still completely obsessed with the Second World War and consider Germany the old enemy and because there's been a few interesting games and contentious games over the years this perception that oh it's it's England Germany this is the big one Germans do not give a fuck about England in a football sense like it's just another game for them but we have this mentality as a country which is not as good historically as Germany at football and international tournaments trying to punch up and uh, long story short that reminds me of the Red Dwarf versus Star Trek fake rivalry that was going on at this time whereas this is this is definitely self-hating yeah how with manager you're you're not better than us and there's a bit of there's a bit of this shit that gets into the program guide with the smeg ups as well is that they get Mm. high and mighty and haughty about them like you know they're they are fans that are above such things yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a bit. Maybe that's a bit of an overreaction. But like some of these questions, we've got A, B, C, and D. A is you are a red dwarf fan, which yeah. are fairly. But you got B, which is the perverted one. C, you're <laughs> just you're just boring. You're just boring. Just, yeah. yeah, that that's the sad, pathetic, lonely train spotter cliche. Yeah, yeah. And D is the, the sci-fi stuff. nerd cliche. Yeah. C mostly C's above. <laughs> So there's some really unpleasant stuff in here, like, what's your idea of a good night out? B, a strip show, followed by a visit to a massage parlour and then a spot of curb crawling. <laughs> Awful phrase. Well, that's not as unpleasant as uh, two, which of the following would you rather watch? A fantastic episode of Red Dwarf or even Meltdown? This is where it starts. This is where the bullshit starts. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair seems like a good option for six. If you could only belong to one organisation, what would it be? The Open Allows Escort Agency. I would love to see an escort agency run specifically by Granville and Arcroft. <laughs> there should be more themed escort agencies. <laughs> or is it like that you can hire a Granville or, or an Arcroft? <laughs> or a Nurse Gladys. Or a Nurse Gladys, yeah. Oh, Here's a question. What the fuck's Captain Zepp? That is a good question. I assume it's a BBC sci-fi series that only had one series, yeah, but let's that uh, failed. Let's do some Captain Zepp, space detective. Really? <laughs> I saw a Spanish detective. Two series. Mm. Uh, it was a, a kids sci-fi right. series from the early eighties. Ah, okay. All right, fair enough. Okay, I'd be in, I'd be interested. The in committee. So, so apparently there was a maybe a subgroup of people known at the time that were obsessed with Captain Zepp. I can imagine that being a thing. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I'd stick the boot into those pathetic fucks. <laughs> Poor Hillary Bevan Jones, right? <laughs> Question A. This is just awful. Like, you unexpectedly meet Hillary Bevan Jones in the street one day. Do you A, congratulate her on producing an excellent series of a dwarf? B, ask her for the phone numbers of the two girls who rubbed oil all over Rimmer and blah, blah, blah. C, ignore her completely as you suspect she might be one of those curvy people with bumps on their chest that you don't get along with very well. I mean, is this any worse than uh, In and Out Bits? Well, In and Out Bits, yeah, <laughs> but, but but this is this is a series producer of Red Dwarf. Like, what are you what are you just randomly like yeah. dragging her into this shit for? It's weird. That's the thing. It's supposed to be, I think, a dig at. <laughs> at nerds and train spotters in that it's like these men are scared of women yeah. but the fact that they've specifically named a real woman yeah. who is a woman who at this stage at least and now to some extent would be in a minority of women with senior roles in this 
kind of show. And there is, there definitely was at this time rampant sexism in the TV industry, which the balance is turning over the years. Um, but you know, yeah, we're not there yet. To to name her and then have two of the four options be about sex is uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I mean, three of them because force her into a the, the, Yeah, I mean, like that yeah. is just that is not. That's just, and and I know, like, well, no, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what that's trying to like. Even so subconsciously, that wording is. It's just in. It's yeah. an intimidate. It's intimidating. It's, it's just bizarre, really. It's it's difficult to even. Well, obviously, it was acceptable. It isn't acceptable, but obviously, it was acceptable to have that shit in there. This is the early nineties, isn't it? This is, the, and it's not an excuse, but it is a reason. Yes, it's just it's just uncomfortable. Yeah, to be fair, you're reading this is going. Yeah, and, this all, is just and all the while you've got this fucking cartoon in the middle. Yeah, I was wondering how how we've managed to go this long without mentioning yeah. that fucking thing. <laughs> so, what is that trying to say? Is is that B? Is yeah, that that's is all, all of the. Them? Yeah, that's all of the options. Oh, it's all of them. Yeah, five. It's, that person is wearing everything that's mentioned in question five. What do you like to wear? Yeah. A smeggered t-shirt and leather deerstalker, fishnet stockings, peephole bra and leopard skin posing pouch, brown nylon flares, hush puppies and an anorak, and a 30-foot-long multicolored scarf and false pointed ears. It doesn't have the scarf, and it's holding the flares. But apart I do, from that, it's I do like the fact that a 30-foot-long multicolored scarf was put in there specifically to piss the artist off. And the artist <laughs> went, no, I'm not putting that in. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's a reference to Doctor Who, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was 30-foot, his scarf. It might have been. Yeah, it might not have been 30-foot, but it was very long. But this, this attitude of, like, you know, like, not liking other people who like the other things than you. Yes. Self, yeah, it's a self-hating thing. It's... I mean, Hyperdrive can go fuck itself, but <laughs> I've never seen Hyperdrive. I have no. There's just this under. There's just this sexist. <laughs> but I don't hate anyone that likes Hyperdrive. No, I wouldn't paint anyone that was different to me as being a pervert, and I certainly wouldn't categorize all the things that are mentioned as being perverted either. Mm. But that's. That's another. That's a. It's a whole other a attitude thing. That, attitude and a yeah. Yeah, vaguely, vaguely homophobic at times, vaguely transphobic. But fucking, let's not get into all that. Yeah, I think there was just this, there's just this basically this kind of there's a definitely a nineties laddie sexist undertone to this whole this whole thing, and it's just a little yeah. bit of nastiness there as well, and it's just mm. just doesn't completely unnecessary. Yeah, completely unnecessary. <laughs> Like we say, this is a Red Dwarf magazine. Your target audience, your entire audience, is people that like Red Dwarf enough to spend money monthly mm-hmm. on a magazine. You're relying on those people to keep you in a job, and you d- dedicate a whole page to basically saying that everyone, no matter <laughs> where you fall in this category, everyone reading this magazine is a cunt yeah. of, in some way. <laughs> yeah. You're all inadequate people. I propose a drinking game. <laughs> for future episodes if there's a Ill, an Ill, an ill-decided 90s uh, attitude take a drink oh jeez if Kevin Keegan is referenced take a drink oh no <laughs> we'd be dead <laughs> so I have a question did anyone bother reading this episode guide <laughs> um, sort of yeah I mean, once, I, once, I, I mean, skimmed it obviously I'm reading it I'm reading it to be critical of like 
the the writing style, but it's incredibly succinct. Like, yeah, it's good. It's, it, it's exi- it, this is exactly what their forte is. Yeah. Is this kind of? It's the same as all the others we've we've gone through, really, isn't it? It's just... Well, I read the broadcast dates and the quotes to check for errors that I could be smug about, and there wasn't any. <laughs> and I read the cast notes and uh, didn't bother with the rest because I'm pretty sure that if not identical, then very similar to uh, the program guide entries for each episode, yeah. so I've read them before. Yeah, Pythagoras is spelled wrong, but we're not going to go around. And again, with this, like, <laughs> why are they obsessed with constantly pointing out how they're doing this in a weird order? Like, <laughs> They're dead wacky. <sighs> I don't know, because if you just, if you just got on with it, just, yeah, just, just get do on with it. it. Yeah, stop. <laughs> Literally, that's a paragraph that just doesn't need to be there. It's just fluff. Mm. It's just more fluff. This is the struggle I have between wanting a bit more editorial personality in my magazines, but the problem is, is that when the editorial personality is like, I don't particularly like it. <laughs> then when it does show up, it's it. It kind of grates a little bit. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't have anything against Howlers and Lions particularly. No. Um, but there, there are things about them that grate against me. Yeah. And they always have. Yeah. And it's just one of those things. But maybe they should be more neutral. They should be more neutral with their voices. Um, something that maybe we've managed to get better at over the years. It's like you say, the difference being that, that uh, we are a fan publication and this is the official mag. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different remit. So you you can it's it it stands out more when opinions yeah. sneak but, in and, and But whatnot. then again, the, the an official outlet actually having a bit of bite to it and a bit of personality is also yeah. not a bad thing. Yeah. So it's 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 tough. It's I'm not whether you agree with them or not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where I stand with this at all. I I think it's just some things are going to bug me and other things aren't like holly calling. I really like that. I really like that tone, and you know, it's all very, you know, it's written by one of them, and you know, I like that sort of stuff. And then the kind of the, I don't know, maybe it's just when it's just a bit smug and self-referential. Maybe that's what I don't like. But then again, pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, <laughs> this magazine's really holding a fucking mirror to us, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I kind of expected in a way, because like so much of this magazine influenced directly or indirectly the way I think about Red Dwarf and the way I talk about Red Dwarf, so it was bound to happen. Because, like, I've said it before, but it was the catalyst, it was the first of everything. It, like, literally span off, in this case, into the Red Dwarf programme guide, same writers, very much the same style. Without giving too much away, there were also people that contributed to latest magazines that contributed to other things in the Red Dwarf oeuvre. And so this magazine was kind of the first breeding ground for this kind of stuff, and also the first place where people were talking critically about the show, officially or otherwise, the first sort of proper publication, other than early days of the internet, Mm. where Red Dwarf was demystified and, and kind of behind the scenes features you learnt about it yeah. you started to think more about the the way that the stories worked and the elements within Red Dwarf were fleshed out mm. so it's only natural that it reminds us of ourselves and our own Red Dwarf writing at times because they started the lot and we're all we you know we're several generations down from this magazine but this magazine begat all the all the books and everything that happened later and they begat the early websites and they begat G&T. Mm. Oh. Next. 
Next up, Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd magazine. I think the exact same advert as in the previous yeah. <laughs> issue. Yeah, because it's advertising issue one. Yeah. So free Judge Dredd badge in, with issue one. Free Judge Dredd poster with issues two and three. That's weird. Advertising all three issues at once. It sounds like this has been like a, like a redo. It is, I think. I don't know. The, I'm sure there might be. I hope there's people in our comments that might shed more light who are, who are fans. But yeah. I think this was. Well, it looks like like it's new number one. Begin collecting now. It's a soft reboot of yeah. Judge Dredd. They've changed it from monthly, I think, to fortnightly. Yeah. Mm. Can you imagine producing a fortnightly magazine? It just <laughs> sounds horrible, doesn't it? It sounds stressful. Yeah. I struggle with monthly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some struggle with quarterly. <laughs> and so we move on to Hollygrams, i.e. letters page. And we discussed last week the <laughs> voice. Instead of having it all in character as Holly, it's the editor's voice, and isn't that better? And now, it's, <laughs> it's a mixture. Which I think it's kind of like a nice compromise, I guess, because some people would prefer the in-character stuff, and some people would prefer the editor's voice, and so it seems to be based on what suits that particular letter better they'll go for. And it's set out distinctly. Holly's bold in italics, and editor is just italics. So, Fair play to the lad. <laughs> <laughs> Elephant in the room. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Second letter begins, Dear Red Dwarf will fix it. Yeah. Can you, fi- and, and, can you fix I mean, it the for letter me? It, the letter itself is horrible. Yes. <laughs> can you fix it for me to dress up as Crichton? Do the voice. Do the voice. <laughs> Don't do the voice, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not Jimmy Savile's voice. Is he'd it? read it, he'd, re- he'd be reading it out. Okay, yeah, he'd read it. Okay. Dear Red Dwarf. Oh, don't, 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 don't. Danny's from Leeds. He's going to get... He's, he's going to get... Danny, you've got, it in, you've got it in front of you. You do the voice. Not a fucking chance. You do the voice and read this letter. Can you fix it for me to dress up as Crichton? Oh, am I doing, am I doing that? No, yes. No, no. Oh, okay, thank you. Thank, thank fuck for that. <laughs> okay. Basically, let's just take another, um, another woman from Red Dwarf and just put her into a weird, uncomfortable... Yeah. Like, fictional situation. Dear Red Dwarf will fix it. Can you fix it for me to dress up as Crichton? I'm going a bit Matt Berry there. <laughs> Can you fix it for me to dress up as Crichton and jump from the top of a wardrobe onto an unclothed Hattie Hayridge? I'll be very grateful if you could do this and would even consider taking the crew of Red Dwarf to a bike rally for a serious drinking spree. <laughs> <laughs> Unhand me, you metal pricks. Apart from anything else, that wouldn't be pleasant no. for anyone, would be it? Awful. Dressing up as Crichton and jumping from the top of a wardrobe. Like, is, is he trying to have sex with her or is he trying to break her? I, I, I just don't know. Like, it's, it's unhinged. Well, the wardrobe bed, not It's be. unhinged that someone would think that that was an appropriate thing to write on a piece of paper and send to a magazine. And then that they decided to print it and think, yeah, that's fine. Next to a picture of Hattie as well. Yeah. It's just fuck off nineties. <laughs> the more the more I look back on things from the nineties, the more I dislike it. Yeah. Because there was some amazing pop culture, some amazing sitcoms, brilliant music in the nineties, but there is always this little undercurrent of misogyny that's hard to avoid. And yeah. there's very few things in from the nineties that don't have some level of that in them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, naming a real woman yeah. that you've decided to bring up out of the blue, and and 
framing her purely in a sex way. Fuck off, Kevin Keeled. Kevin Keeled. I feel like... Fuck off, back to Pocklington. I should have checked this. I feel like that name's familiar, like he was in the last issue. Because we are going to start getting that, aren't we? Like, presumably we'll start mm. seeing... Um, we're not going to ever see your name, are we, Ian? You were only ever... Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm kind of half expecting, you know, names that we ex- that we recognise to start showing up soon. Pete Part 3. <laughs> Chris Carter. They're all OGs. Yeah. Did any of you look up what the Smeg 11100010 etc. means? No, I was, just, I was still in bed. It doesn't really make sense as a, as a no. record. Because it's, the it's whole not... question is bizarre. Yeah. It doesn't... <laughs> I don't know. I was expecting to look that up in a binary converter and get an amusing message, no. but it's not. It's not valid. Unless, I don't unless know what, you count... it might be some other language that we don't know what it is. Binary, you, you like to be a proper nerd about this. You wouldn't store binary in that way, unless you're going to have things like checksums and stuff inside it. You're going to have something yeah, that's either just... a 64-bit code in one chunk, or it's it's never going to be broke up like that. Yeah, it just gives you gibberish if you put it through. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing to tell the computer where the brakes are. Well, all binary is going to ever give you is a number anyway, right? And, and yeah. it's how you choose to decode that number as to whether this is a number that references letter characters or, you know. But binary will only yeah. ever give you... It's not like a QR code where it could give you strings and stuff like that. And I assume they're talking about... Are they talking about the, the thing in... What are they even talking about? Should we read the whole letter? I don't know. Dear Holly, will you please simulate a large T-shirt on Rimmer saying Specs for Supreme and let Lister choose his hairstyle for a year? <laughs> what the smeg does 11100010010110110111110111110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110110
Because it's, I don't know, it's a difficult thing to persuade people to do, right? You have to go through a lot of. No, no one would make up Alex Scroggy. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, Alex Scroggy's. Yeah. Alex Scroggy's unique flower. And probably a child. Yeah, that's what we said about him in the last <laughs> one. But you know. Oh right, yeah, okay. Smeg Potsu. But let's just keep reading him in Adam Buxton comment guy voice because. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if he's like a. Major CEO now, hey, of a <laughs> top company <laughs> could well be. You imagine him walking into a pub like, "Hey, Scroggy, Scroggy's here." <laughs> the Scrogmeister. <laughs> Get around in, you can. <laughs> Get one in for Granddad John while you're there. <laughs> An old Chlamydia Keith. Oh dear. Anyway, enough of these nineties. I have one more. <laughs> Sorry, one Not more enough of these 90s enough pricks. Enough of these 90s pricks. Um, <laughs> I've got a cold, so I'm, I'm able to do impressions all of a sudden. When are you going to start? Uh, this last letter um, exhibits an interesting kind of thing that people do, which is conflate outlets with with being the same as the TV show, so like, yeah. Please, could you show? Like, they're they're not the BBC repeat division, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to be able to. Yeah, what you want there is the control of BBC <laughs> exactly. Two, not Red Dwarf. Who I believe is Janet Street Porter. <laughs> okay, so this is sanctioned by Grant Naylor, but I think it's just like by. licensed by licensed, licensed by, yeah. but not controlled by. Yeah, I think that's correct. Okay, I, so I think so. They would have had some amount of oversight, I'd have thought, they because have technically to. the Doctor Who magazine has a pass through the Doctor Who production office. Sure. Technically, the fan club magazine is signed off by Grant Naylor Productions, and I know that in the Seb era it was like extremely unlikely that he would veto anything, and uh, we don't know what it's like in the current era because there hasn't been a fan club magazine for nearly three years. Oh, well. (laughs) So, okay. So what I meant by that was that the editorial feel about this is maybe is the same as what we're doing. A fan thing. Yeah. Maybe it's more of a, obviously I think it's, it's, it's seen as, obviously it's seen more as an official thing because people are talking to them as if they are, as if they are GMP. Um, But people email us thinking we're connected with GMP. It happens less, but it used to happen a lot. (laughs) It's obviously easy to conflate. Like yeah, official yeah. with 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 fan and um, and maybe we've done it here. But, but they don't. Interestingly, they don't yeah. correct them. Yeah. They don't say, "Oh well, this is more of a question for the BBC, and that's not us." But rather, they go ahead mm. and answer it as if you know, series one clearly got delayed. Then I think we might have discussed this in the last one. Mm-hmm. So I have to say, yeah. series one is set for a probable release on video in November. This is another thing for the drinking game. Tracking, um, tracking release dates for the series one videos <laughs> as, the, as the issues go on. <laughs> right. right. Enough of those 90s pricks. <laughs> Let's take a look at some of the letters that have been flooding into our bulging sack over the last uh, month or so since the last magazine issue. Um, there was a whole big conversation uh, that spun off in the comments about the number of stasis booths on Red Dwarf, which we won't go into here. Because uh, but, <laughs> but as always, we recommend reading the comments over at www.ganymede.tv if you want the full picture of what you cunts are saying. 
Well, one of the biggest topics from the last magazine was Hattie's interview. International Debris said it's impossible to read this without cringing. <laughs> Would you like there to be more stories based around the character of Holly? And her response, no, that's the first I've heard of it, uh, when asked about rumours that she was leaving the show. Oh, Dave said uh, Hattie expressing hope that her Holly doesn't get gangbanged in the comics adaptation was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> Although, yeah. if you know Hattie, you know that's completely on brand. And it took one issue. It took one issue for her to be assault, sexually assaulted from on top of a, uh, a wardrobe. So, uh, doesn't look good yeah. for, for old Hattie. Yeah. She was very astute about the sensibilities of nineties magazines. Yeah. A return to the comment section from our old friends Dylan Ides. I think the Hattie interview was actually pretty good considering the era. Back in the days before IMDb and YouTube, I would have been really interested to hear about Hattie's early career and about her stand-up style. Obviously, we're a sport now and we have all this info available anytime. And yeah, that's kind of what we were talking yeah. about with the Danny interview. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely getting they're definitely getting good with the interviews. I am especially looking forward to that stuff. I, I know that there's a Rob and Doug interview coming soon because I remember mm. that there was a Rob and Doug interview somewhere in this magazine and there's not much time left with Rob and Doug. Um, <laughs> so stuff like that, stuff that maybe I haven't internalised. I'm really looking forward to it because they're mm. they're definitely good at interviews. I would say. Yeah, and any interview with Rob and Doug, Rob or Doug, at any time reveals something interesting. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's rare. We just don't. We don't like of all the people who do like interviews and stuff. It's always the cast. It's never the crew. Like when we had Doug talking on the uh, the Q and A sessions at. Um, DJ, there was always stuff in there. Was like he'd never said that before because yeah. there's there's less things to revisit. Yeah, he's just got yeah the infinite like well of like, interesting little tidbits, and every now and then you just get a few more thrown to you yeah. at a DJ or somewhere. Mm. Moving on, Warbadog makes several small points. Library vid, the change made to the dialogue in the end. Library vid, could that be addressing Lister's illiteracy discontinuity? <laughs> in that he has a library book. Yeah. And then in the very next episode, he says, <laughs> I've never read a book. Fair enough. That sounds like the sort of thing that they would think to do. Yeah. He says, the cat arcs are totally generic Chris Foss 70s spaceships. Uh, I don't know what that means, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. And the Holly calling pop artist Carl Flint, uh, which creeped me out a bit as a kid. He might have done the Hattie interview drawings too, based on his Stonic the Comic art. And Stonic we got... the Comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stumbled over my words. So that's who I need to easy. to bug and say, have you got any like high res versions of your pop art yeah. that I can make into a poster? Because I'm sure high res things existed in the nineties. <laughs> Genuall says, Never would have thought today was the day where I'd finally be able to yell, It's Ramesses Niblick the third kaplunk kaplunk, where's my thribble, you fool at my car stereo? Can check that one off the bucket list. <sighs> Everyone get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quiz next issue. <laughs> Clem says, I lost it at Caps's mm-hmm in response to Danny asking if he'd have got the love letters question right. <laughs> oh, it still gets me. I just, it was literally, I couldn't even see your face when I was doing it. All I heard was, mm. <laughs> just very, very annoyed. I, could, I didn't even have to look at your face. I knew what your face was doing. What we need is for them to deliberately write head-to-head quizzes, but they didn't do that. So that's. Yeah. And also we've got Ian thumbing the scale. <laughs> oh dear! Excuses, excuses. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
more small points, a handful of them uh, from Flappo Jacko, who I've decided so that's what we call Flap Old Jacko. Oh, Flappo Jacko. <laughs> because of a meme that was posted recently as we recorded From the Red Dwarf 2 video review, I love the naivety of thinking that the spine formatting is super important because these videos are going to be on your shelf the standard way that you watch Red Dwarf for the rest of your life. Well, they would have been for the next 10 years at least. Yeah, good 10 years. Yeah. But I've never really been particularly embarrassed by my spines. Lot. <laughs> wow, Spine that. and a bep. They'll be furious when 5 comes out. 5 completely fucks everything. I mean the yeah, fact that the epi- I mean the the fact the episodes are in the wrong order is more of a problem than the fucking spider. Yeah, you know, yeah, and they're completely different and not very good uh, design. Uh, Flappo Jacko also says, <laughs> "Come on, Rimmer just embracing a woman is not interfering sexually. If you can print the word shit, you can show Rimmer fucking you cowards." Well, you, to be fair, we can't see what his cock's doing. <laughs> and finally, nice touch in Holly calling where she turns back to Norman for a bit, where she says that humans should make up their minds about which gender they are. Although tisk tisk for saying humanity is fifty percent male and fifty percent female, you somehow simultaneously gender fluid and embiphobic computer. <laughs> like we say, plenty more comments came in and all available to read. And please do send us your comments for the next letters page. And just to clarify again, we need comments about issue four, this magazine that we're currently talking about and that we've all just read, rather than about the next issue because we want Capsi and Danny to remain as spoiler free as possible. And then it's like an actual letters page, isn't it? It's like it's, yeah. it's, on, it's, on, a, it's on a delay. Reacting to the previous things. Yeah. Dear BBC. <laughs> and finally, I guess, we move on to the last yeah. feature of the magazine, which is something that in all the previous magazines has been the main feature, the biggest selling point, was the comics, the episode ad- adaptation comics. But here we have usurped the Future Echoes adaptation. It may be repositions it as more of a an optional thing. Yeah. They're now a bit more confident with the main mag content that um, you put that front and centre. I actually like this, I think. I love it. Because there's weird pacing when you've just got a, a, a massive comic to read straight away. Like You need to you know, get into the mag and then you've got the comic at the end. I think that... that it's not. Yeah. I don't feel like it's demoting it, necessarily. I think it's giving it its maybe more appropriate place. Yeah, I like that way of thinking because it's like all the stuff prior to this, that's like the current... Red Dwarf, it, it's what that's about and then here's this nice archive thing at the end like if you don't know the early series here's a nice adaptation of it and so many interesting things <laughs> in the in the artwork and in little tweaks of dialogue, who wants to start? <laughs> well, this fucking, well let's start with the first panels right? Yeah. <laughs> Th- this visualisation of Holly is I have no idea what it's supposed to be but I think it's cool Basically, yes. I just see it as sort of like imagine this uh, distress call was kind of uh, placed on a like a on a on a on a flat panel and sent out into space. It's like um, the, the Phantom Zone. In space yes, it's like the Phantom like that, Zone. Basically, That's it's like it. a, a yeah, spinning yeah. thing in the middle of space, just kind of like constantly giving out its details, which you wouldn't be able to make. An iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really expensive way of communicating. Just fling a fucking iPad out the window and do it sort of like every now and then in case someone might find it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's good. I like it. I, I would like to see this kind of for real. I kind of like it as a, it's a very. Again, it's similar to the idea of having Holly kind of moving about, you know, in the, in the shot, you know, like he does. Yeah, dynamic. Sort of similar idea. Yeah. Lots of red in this. Um, in this yeah. entire issue. Yeah. Why is it red? <laughs> I don't know. They like red. This is why I 
I want to read the comic for is these weird little, or not weird, but just, you know, interesting little flourishes that this comic book artist who's clearly very experienced knows how to tell a good story in the comic medium and being having the confidence to to kind of translate certain things across i found mm. that really interesting and yeah just on the subject of the holly distress call though you noticed something danny about <laughs> one of the pictures yeah the... i i just it just came to my like the first the first picture of holly is fine like the first the first rendering is fine the one at the bottom left hand <laughs> side of the screen is unfortunately shaded yes in a way that makes holly look a little bit like adolf hitler He's gone from Chris Tarrant to Chris Tyrant. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've been holding on to that one. That was she took amazing. my ball. She <laughs> took my ball away. And she put it in the Albert Hall. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah. it's yes. that the shading underneath his nose makes it look a little bit like a moustache. And his hair's yeah. a little bit too side parted to make it look like it's a. It's the just, hair it's just is very a... generous to Norman. Yeah. yeah, isn't it? Very thick, luscious, like just for men style hair. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only time it really does do that. But like all the other renderings are, are really good. Like I, mm. I like everything about yeah. this comic. I'm, I'm loving the resetting. I'm liking, I'm liking the new settings for things and the kind of updating of the set to match the. The current era and that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I really yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's just it's a really really. And there's there's one bit will come to later when <laughs> when rumors running off. I uh, there's one particular shot that really does. Uh... <laughs> I think I know what you mean. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to. I it. would like to have seen that in the show, but it would have. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, it interesting to note Lister's security code for the dispenser machine uh-huh. RD five two one one six nine. They've, they've added. Uh, they've added. A we're fully to into it. the series four timeline. Now. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. It's cool because it fits nicely into the fact that essentially Red Dwarf is made up of just loads of different alternate dimensions. That's that's kind of how people. Some people like to think of the different series as they're in slightly yeah. different uh, timelines, dimensions. You know, which yeah, which for, which makes for yeah accounts for all the continuity. I mean, I mean the opening crawl of of backwards essentially. Well, heavily suggests that as well, don't they? Like the, the yeah. same dimension, nearly, or the same generation, nearly. Yeah. So yeah, it's nice to have the comic version, which is basically retrofitting the old stuff into the yeah. new setting. Yeah, it's it's an amalgamation of all the Red Dwarf at that point. Yeah, the best bits of each. Yeah, it's great. I love it. <clears throat> Good old Lispy the dispenser machine. <laughs> Lispy and Listy. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, you know, do you still hear Tony Hawk's voice saying the the, the lines? Because I do. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They're the exact same lines as well. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a there's, there's a shot of uh, Rimmer when he comes in and, and obviously berates Lister and then fucks off again. Artat is running away from him, just flicks the bird. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> He's just like, ha ha! Fuck you! <laughs> God, you're a disgrace to the species. That's hilarious. <laughs> It's not really in character, but it's pretty funny. It, it works for the comics, though, weird enough. <laughs> the idea of Rimmer running past him. Fuck you, man! <laughs> and then he, and then he runs into a gym, which I think is a quite nice little uh, change of pace as well. Like he runs, Of course he would run into the gym to, like, to finish yeah. off the run. It's something that, you know, for the TV series, for a scene that short, you just do it in whatever 
set Whatever is available. So it, it happens to be the teaching room because that was, you know, the, they had one spare set in series one and it was it was the teaching room at some times, it was the um, the medical room at other times, etc. Yeah. But yeah, of course it's a gym. It makes so much more sense. Yeah. But when you have to draw a new frame anyway, yeah. why, why not well. draw it in a different place? Yeah. Yeah. Why does the punch bag have um, a top-hatted, monocled man? Because the gym is called Gentleman Gyms. Oh, oh my God. All right. I will accept that. That's obviously but, someone adding something whole to just make it make sense. Yeah. It's like, oh, we might as well make a nice little icon for that. Gentleman Gyms. It's spelled G-Y-M, not J-M. But I like the idea of like a boxing robot as well, like a training machine that's like a, just a punch. Yeah, a sparring robot. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll be careful, it'll fucking kill you. <laughs> Feels like something that Robin Doug wanted to maybe even try and do yeah. is having a set with a gym in it and having Rimmer punching through... Uh, punch bag that's not there but he's sort of pretending like as if he's actually you know making yeah. some effort i kind of I, I can i can 100 percent see that in my head yeah yeah it feels very very plausible next scene is the scene where cat is looking at lister's slides and we get a bonus one. Oh yeah <laughs> uh where we get a tiny bit of bonus dialogue of setting up that these are slides which i guess is necessary in a still format because everything that's on a screen looks like yeah. a slide if, <laughs> if nothing's moving. And then we, yeah, is a, there's a bonus picture of Lister fishing. Again, a big old fish. Yeah, a big old fish. It looks like he's about to fucking dunk into the river. <laughs> Doesn't look to me like a £10 black room nobbler. He's probably going for that and caught a fish instead. <laughs> Very disappointing. Just my fucking look. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, it's just just add a tiny bit of you know original yeah. stuff in there. Why not? And obviously, it's very very clear that the artist has got um, access to the actual footage because these pictures oh, yeah. are yeah. verbatim. <laughs> I was going to say I like how faithful they are. They are like, especially good. with with the gram and and with Hannah, like how consistent it is. Yeah. yeah. Have dog. you noticed? You see the toaster here. Yeah. And it's vaguely the series four design. Yeah. But in monochrome. Yeah. yeah I noticed that. It's sort of like series one colour, series four. Yeah. Like because the series one version has the big four Cortina light at the front and a different shaped knob. Yeah. <laughs> Strange knob like thing down there. And also <laughs> also in this section we we see one of the things that Lister packs for vacuum storage is yeah. a wind up Zeppelin bomb. <laughs> Things. Which yeah. is just inexplicably. I have questions. <laughs> I have so many questions about this. It turns up for basically the rest of this part, just like flying about in the background, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I think what it is is just extra, and it's perhaps like we don't know the timelines of like whether they were working on future echoes at the same time as the the end strip because obviously it's a different artist they could have been working on them simultaneously <coughs> or whether it's a bit of a reaction to the end strip where this artist has seen that and thought well there's bits where it's very dialogue heavy and it's all set in the same room and so what can I do and so he's added this extra visual element yeah there's a lot more of that in this than there is in the end of the art like the art in the end was great but this has extra flourishes, extra little Easter eggs, things to notice. Yeah. Uh, things that maintain the visual interest, even when the scene is repetitive. There's something that's different. And I think the motion of this 
thing <laughs> like rolling around in the background yeah. is one of those instances where it just gives you a little bit something extra to I'd, I'd, occupy yourself with <laughs> although and i i would argue ends up being a distraction well yes <laughs> because it's not a recognizable thing is it unless it was something in the early 90s that was a craze for five minutes maybe yeah i don't know it's 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 almost like it's like a wind-up rocket i don't know it's yeah mm. yeah it's like yeah. someone playing with a yo-yo. It's like that kind of a thing where just oh, it's like in vogue, and therefore that's something you would do if you were bored. Or yeah, yeah. But I do like the, uh, the visual of the surgeries being packed with the dead. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good little uh, interstitial. Yeah, that's that's very <laughs> horrific image of Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> and Carol is a, <laughs> a robot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I thought Carol would be the nurse that's helping him, but no. <laughs> I thought Carol. I never thought Carol was the reception. I've always thought of Carol as the receptionist, but oh, I don't know yeah. whether that's because of uh, Brutus. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Of Chris Barry asking for Carol. <laughs> um, the previous uh, comic book artist giving this one some tips on what women look like in this universe. <laughs> no, like, I don't want to be racist towards nineties comic book artists, but they're all. Oh, <laughs> I've just noticed the coffins are labelled. One of them's Elvis. <laughs> and one of them's Shep. Shep. Regime of the Blue Peter Dog. <laughs> I've just noticed that there is a receptionist in the background. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we mentioned her. Oh. No. Yeah. Blowing bubblegum. What does the sign say? You've got higher resolution. Uh, Dr. Rimmer. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's Rimmer. Oh, fucking hell. Why have they got... I've just realised that that Doctor is Rimmer. Yeah. Yeah, you see him twice, and in the first one he looks like Rimmer, and in the second one he looks really weird. He, look, he looks <laughs> like a... He's pulling a carry-on face, isn't he, at that point? Yeah. yeah it is basically a carry, like, carry-on resurrection. <laughs> That's the fourth one after carry-on, carry-ons, carry-on cubed, carry-on resurrection. <laughs> <Or> carry-on <laughs> So, yeah, let's just list any of the other... Easter eggs or little extra details that we've spotted, because there's Lister's um, cigarette lighter as well. It's like a laser ray gun toy. Okay. Thing. <laughs> An update of the '90s trend of gun-shaped cigarette lighters. Yeah, is it inconvenient to carry that around? Like, why not just carry a normal lighter? <laughs> you want a little small one in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The scutters are um, dressed as cowboys. Yeah, they're still playing. Thing and yeah, the, the cigarette that he throws through. Rimmer is labelled yeah. Grunt and Naylor. Luxury length. <laughs> I wonder yeah. which of them has the most luxurious oh, yeah. length. Yeah. <laughs> and earlier, when he fixes McCartney, in the next frame he feeds uh, Lennon and McCartney some nuts and bolts. <laughs> Does he? I'm not saying... <laughs> That'd be a good... Oh, why didn't he do that in the show? That's silly. <laughs> oh, That's yeah. not how robots work. <laughs> no, the robots eat nuts and or they, they eat, eat hundreds and thousands. thousands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give him some hundreds and thousands. <laughs> I like the cat sticking his head through. We mentioned the beehive. Yeah. <laughs> but it is weird. Like Rimmer's beehive and then his tunic and his gogafrinchum. Yeah, yeah, the mashing of ears. And he's got a flat H by the looks of things, as opposed to the... Um, which is different from both the original The End and from Series 5, in which he has the serif H. Yeah, I think I think oh, yeah, just, a lot of a lot of times I wonder if the artist is just like it's easy to do. 
if I just make it yeah. long. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying this low. As we've previously discussed, there's no actual need for holograms to have an H in uh, this universe because they have they are visually distinct uh, yeah, from I'm living sure. people. I don't know. Cool. I mean, the H is necessary. Let's say if John Gray Majors had died, because <laughs> he would just still look exactly the same unless he had his H. Yeah, I think that's probably about it. Um, it's just I love the color of it as well. It's so bright and vibrant. It's an improvement on the end, art-wise. I think in kind of all respects, the likenesses, the the style, the extra bonus bits in the background whilst obviously the the flying thing is a distraction that's perhaps unnecessary (laughs) i appreciate the effort yeah and it's it's more it it really pops it really looks lovely on the page yeah yeah i would agree i'm looking forward to another i'm assuming two issues of this the lighting does remind me as well that kind of sort of very sort of orangey glow makes me think of the novels as well where they always say like you know like daytime's always like a a dirty orange oh yeah a dirty mm. blue and this kind of stuff so it's like other than the gym it's probably the only room where it's lit differently but everything else is lit with this kind of this sort of almost like neon phosphorescent light mm. it just yeah it just looks really it just looks really moody and it's it's, it's mm. great right so all that remains is another little half page ad for Red Dwarf merchandise similar to what we've seen before but there's a new t-shirt or are there two? Or are there several new T-shirts? How can they spell Crichton twice wrong? When it's on the fucking T-shirt, guys. <laughs> uh, at, least, at least they didn't. You spell had to it change it. You had, to, you had chances. <laughs> on the bottom left, we've got the classic five um, publicity shot. That's new. Then we've got Inquisitor. Yeah, no, you're right. There's three new T-shirts. It was <laughs> the top six were there before, and the bottom three are all new. Yeah. The classic series five shot and Sans Holly. <laughs> oh, and then that's is that Colin Howard's? Um, yeah, Justice? The, oh. the third one along the other white one is the artwork from this magazine issue two cover. Hmm. Interesting. Now in t-shirt form. Yeah. Which I've never seen either of those two white ones. I've never seen out and about. No. Oh. Seen the Inquisitor um, one. Seen that quite a few. Yeah, the Inquisitor one. I think I had. It as well, a do you know kid. why? Because it's black. Yeah. And like the thing about geeks, the, the color of geeks' clothing, your basic geeks' clothing color, and any white black. t-shirt has just immediately got a life spat on it because it's gonna look yeah. Yeah. awful very soon. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you don't bother separating separating your whites. <laughs> well, they uh, they used to in South Africa. <laughs> I've never met a nice South African. Get back in the fucking vehicle. If anyone has or knows available one of those um, t-shirts with the... Uh... But again, <laughs> they've made the thing that we've talked about with the most recent Red Dwarf shop of putting Red Dwarf 5 on it, despite the fact that it's an image based on Series 4. Yeah. Because yeah. they're wearing their Justice yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. boots. Don't yeah. date it. Why date it? Yeah. Why date it, and why, why date, date it with the, the wrong series? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> more pertinently, perhaps. I'm pinching my nose because I get so annoyed by this shit. <laughs> Shouldn't bother me as much as it does, but it fucking does. It's uh, also available in long sleeve. If anyone yeah, can find me a long sleeve Red Dwarf cartoon T-shirt, then I will pay up to twelve pounds for it because that was the price of the long sleeve version. <laughs> yeah. in I will pay the market price. From 1992, <laughs> and I will pay with my Visa or Access card. So yeah, that's it. 
Show you a little preview of the next issue. We have Craig Charles. At last, the dreadlock kid. That's what we call him. That's what we all call Craig <laughs> Charles. Things could hardly get worse. Is does this mean? <laughs> I wonder if this what this means for the cover of the next issue. Whether it's the famous <laughs> Craig... <laughs> We'll never find out until the time. No coming. <laughs> We also have All Things Cry 10 Beautiful. That's I was going to say, I, like I was it. reading that, and like, as soon as I read that, I was like, actually, that's pretty good. <laughs> I'll give them that one. I'll give them. Not one I've heard before. Excellent news for all of us, I think. Two-way quiz. Back oh. next issue. It seems to be every other issue that we have a quiz. So, Capsi, it's your chance to right. claw back your reputation. Right, write in now um, to implore the quizmaster not to fix it this time. <laughs> gives Captain an opportunity to redeem himself gives Denny an opportunity for a hat trick and gives me an opportunity to annoy Capsi in the original ways <laughs> we also have Ace Rimmer Space Adventurer sounds like another comic right? it does Red Dwarf Fun Page Love. and tons more fun with the boys from the Dwarf back because you demanded it <laughs> <laughs> Did we though? If you look at the comments on GNT, I think you'll find <laughs> no one's demanding. If you look, if you take a look at the comments twenty years hence, <laughs> so June twenty fifth, I assume is the is the um the net when the issue is meant to be coming out. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> July issue. Can't remember what I did for my ninth birthday. Probably played. Minute jump kit. Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> It's a few days before my sixth birthday. Oh, tiny Ian. The tiny <laughs> Smegmeister. My, it's my pre- I'd never heard of Red Dwarf at this stage of yeah. my life when this magazine came out. Yeah. Weird. And so we end with a picture of Craig Charles. Yes. There's the back cover. That's From just a... But it's a publicity shot I don't really recognise. Like, it feels like it's a slightly different... Like it's a different take that they didn't really use because List listed looks a bit. I don't know. He looks a bit frumpy, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it appears to be on the uh, bunk room, the officers' quarters set. But yeah, they, they, I mean, props to the um, to the props. But I mean, like props to the um, <laughs> to the makeup people because that's a really, really good prosthetic. Isn't it, it, yeah, like, it holds up well in uh, very, very in print. Good. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly unnerving. It's awful, yeah, it's but it's 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 like his head is melting. It's awful. But it's got yeah. a head like a pair of tits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's good. On that note, that just about wraps things up for this issue. But if there's anything you'd like to add on the subject, please do send us some letters so that we can read them out and mock you on the next magazine rep. And there's also still time to send in your hilarious captions for the competition launched in issue three. Uh, you can leave your comments over at www.ganymede.tv or you can tweet us. Twitter handle is Ganymede Titan. Okay. So this should give you an idea of the kind of person we're working okay. with. Okay. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay happy, stay groovy. Staley Bridge was the filming location for some parts of the 1979 Richard Gere film Yanks. Set during the Second World War, the film depicts the relationships between American soldiers stationed in a semi-rural England and the local population during the build-up to Operation Overlord in 1944. 
In particular, three romances between US service personnel and local women are shown in order to explore the effects of the cultural differences between the brash GIs, or Yanks, and the more reserved British population. And as always... Head bye, everybody. Head bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. And as always, we recommend you having a physical... Ah, fuck. A physical fuck. Immediately. <laughs> With a touch of feeling, woman.